Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your place to go for all things EPL, Draft, Fantasy. We've got the regulars with us today. We've got Mick, we've got Gilby, and we've got Dave. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are we after game week four, guys? Better not ask Dave. He's probably got his pants off. Oh, no. You can ask me. I'll tell you. That could be good or bad. My (laughs) goodness. That doesn't give us a whole lot there, Gilby. How about you, Mick? How are you? I'm going to go slightly more positive than previous weeks. Wow. That's not hard. No, but hey, it's, it's positivity. <laughs> that's it's been, that's very good to hear. It's been brilliant, Isaac, and I think you're probably in the same boat yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm quite content, let's say, mm. with what happened last game week. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Um, but... I think, you know, in, in the essence of time, let's move on. Let's talk about moments of the week. Now, this is where I just throw a few things at you that I found interesting this week. We've already discussed it a little bit off air, but my first moment of the week, because I have two, my first moment of the week um, is we finally found a weakness uh, for Manchester City, and that is the set piece. Uh, only trouble being you need to score at least four of them to actually... Uh, get anything out of a game. So set pieces is where Crystal Palace found some joy against Manchester City this week. Um, I don't know if anyone really thinks that's a true um, weakness of theirs, but you know something to something to talk about. I think um, the delivery into the into the box from Eze was excellent. Mick, did you get any points from one of his deliveries into the box? I believe I did. I think I got a, an, an assist for him. Yeah, excellent. an assist. That's good. And I mean, he deserved that because his delivery was excellent. So, you know, I think if you can get it in and around the area and you've got uh, defenders and attackers who are willing to, you know, really hustle for the ball, City can look a little bit in trouble. Um, only problem being that, yeah, like I said, you've got to score at least four of them to get something. So that second half performance was pretty impressive. You know, I think Christopher Palace did really, really well. But um, uh, Harlan just sort of went off. We'll obviously talk about that a little bit later. Um, boys, uh, is there any stopping Manchester City when they're in that mood? Like that, they're happy to chase a game. They're happy to go in front and keep scoring. Like, what, how are teams going to be able to deal with them this, this season? Well, the only thing I saw with uh, Palace there, you did score your two goals and set pieces, but also note that you're only two shots for the entire match, both on target, and you had 25% of the ball. Um, and yeah, I mean, if things had gone a bit better, maybe you had a bit more luck, you may well have walked away against City with a point, which is going to be pretty rare this season. I think it is going to be very, very difficult to stop. I had a look at a few stats there. Our old friend Harland, the review from Manchester Evening News said, uh, rubbish for an hour, then scored a hat trick. So, I mean, when you've got a player who can have uh, 16 touches, which is less than your second half sub, Chris Richards, and have that sort of effect on the match. Uh, De Bruyne had, I would say, probably one of the worst games I've seen him have for a while. Gave away the ball a lot. Um, Bernardo Silva was excellent. Gundogan came off the bench, thankfully for me. Um, so, I mean, it's a very deep squad, quality. Um, yeah, they're very hard to stop. I think each one of us picked City to win the title. I think most people have picked them to win the title. So, yeah, I mean, nothing's changed from my perspective. They're going to be very hard to stop. Uh, I think, you know, inevitably they're going to have an off game. It's just a matter of when it happens and what does their off game look like. Uh, Their off game looks like still getting plenty of chances 
but just one of those games where they're hitting the post or going the wrong side of the post. Um, and in those games, yeah, it's probably going to be a set piece that yep. undoes them because, you know, whilst they've got such an incredible attacking threat, um, their defense is brilliant, but it's slightly less brilliant than their attack. So, yeah. <clears throat> break down break them down I, in a set piece if possible and pray for I, the rest. Yeah, I mean, I think they've already had, you know, a game and a half, let's say, where they haven't been at their best, in, especially defensively. So in terms of Newcastle, 3 all, and then against Palace, where they're at halftime, or 2-0 down. I mean, it, it goes to show, though, just how driven they are to get back into the game. Um but if that's them playing poorly for a game and a half, like I, how is the team beating them? I just yeah, I don't see it, Dave. I, I unless they, they get to in trouble with the stinker. midweek fixtures. Yeah, unless they sure. run into squad trouble. Champions yeah. League. I, I think it's there's got to be two ways you look at it. I don't think they're going to have any issue in terms of points total end of season, but. I do think it'll be a case of while they don't have stupid fixture congestion, they will rack up enough points to give themselves a buffer. Um, I just had a quick look at their draw for the Champions League, their table. They've got um, Dortmund. You'd say relatively should be strong. Um, I think they've played three so far in Bundesliga. They've won two, drawn one, so solid start. Um, And then Sevilla, who's actually had a really poor start to their season. Um, they've drawn one, lost two, and then Copenhagen, where Matty Ryan is, who you would assume what will be lucky to get many a point, let alone a win in that league. So if they get a early, if they win their first three games of that, I dare say even fixture rotation won't be a problem. It'll be how they come back after the World Cup break. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. I think um, it's it's a case of... Well, we're saying all of this, and they're not even on top of the league, though. Like, that's the crazy thing, right? Like, <laughs> they're playing amazing, and actually not on top of the league. Like, Arsenal hasn't haven't lost a game yet. You know, Tottenham, I think, are level-pegging with them. So, you know. I think, it, as Dave said, they've attacked amazingly. Like, they've been great, mm-hmm. but just have not defended well. I'm not sure what's going on with Ruben Diaz so far, but he has not looked he's, at the races so far. I'm sure he's waiting for Laporte to come back. I would imagine so, but yeah, I mean, again, like uh, starting with Arke, uh, Stones has had the start last time. He looks like a good ball player, but switched off for defensively. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's They've shown that with a bit of luck, they can be got at, as we've kind of said. So I mean, if those defensive struggles keep going, then sooner or later, the luck's going to run out for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's uh, talk really briefly about my second one. I know this probably doesn't apply to Mick too much. I've got to ask Dave and Gilby. Uh, Dave, have, you've got a brother, don't you? I do. Yeah, Gilby? Uh, younger sister. Okay, not quite. So this only applies to you, Dave. I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Please feel free to answer. Dave, when was the last time you were blackmailed by your brother? Oh. Mm, I don't know, probably when we were about 
I was really hoping you had a specific date. <laughs> I was really hoping you came out with like 15th of January, 1988. The did this. I don't know. No, we we get along pretty well. And yeah. So you're still kids, right? You're just you're, yeah. You're just I'm sure. I'm sure I was. I can't think of a perfect example, but I'm sure it happened. <laughs> so I probably deserved it. Knowing you, yeah, no, probably. <laughs> I mean, so we. I think it's it's clear to say that maybe you know those types of sibling things you tend to grow out of them a little bit. Doesn't yep. seem to have happened for the Pogbas, however. Um, yeah, this is true. This yeah, is it, true. it's uh, it's gone a little bit nasty there, where the, the, there's a bit of blackmail and extortion. Uh, you know, the, the seems to be up in the millions of dollars worth of you know threats. Um, where you know his little brother's going to tell all. Oh my goodness! Oh no. Maybe can, he can tell us why he didn't put in a shift for Manchester United for the last three years. But, um, you know, it, it just seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't it, Dave? I think you brought that to, to my attention, that particular story. Yeah, he didn't. The little brother didn't think to mention this during the pogumentary, did he? It's older brother, Dave. Older brother. Oh, yeah, older. Older. older brother. He's actually got older twin brothers, Florentine right. and Matthias. And Matthias is the one that's uh, right. had all the issues recently. And... and I'm just having a quick look at his Wikipedia page. The, ga- the team he's played the most games for, Wrexham. So I reckon there ah. could be a Ryan Reynolds documentary coming out about this. Deadpool on his ass. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, if you want to read up about the, uh, the, the sibling issues with the Pogba's Feel free, go ahead. But uh, I just, I just wanted to gauge if anyone else had been in a similar situation recently. So good to know that's not you, Dave. Good to know. Not me. Not, not, not me. You. Not you. Okay. As far as I'm aware, my brother isn't a part of any mass crime gang. But look, mm. you never really do know these things, do you? You don't. Do you have thirteen million dollars <laughs> he can get from you? Not laying around. No. Okay. Okay, so not quite yeah. the same, but that's okay. That's okay. Very good. Well, I just thought I'd bring that up. Um, yeah, feel free to read into it if you wish. But it is time to talk about waivers. So, Gilby, we've had game week four. Um, obviously, for those uh, playing at home, maybe on the live stream, if anyone at all, we've got game week five coming up in midweek. So we've actually already done some waivers for that. But we're just going to look at last game week's waivers leading up to that game week first. So, Gilby... You're obviously grading these, obviously, you know, you yep, I am. just can't I mean, help yourself. I mean, as a fellow teacher, we're into reporting season now. I mean, I know how much I mm. love marking. I hope you do too. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's just the highlight of my week, so I can't get enough. Um, so here we go. Um, I actually gave some pretty good grades this week. Um, I was pretty impressed by most people's transfer business. I thought there was some good upgrades most people made. So Justin was first. He dropped his mate at Chelsea, Jorginho, the penalty genius, for Rashford. Um, lots of people were pretty keen for Rashford this week. I think we talked about the podcast. I gave that an A. The only issue now is that it looks like Manchester United are about to spend $100 million on Anthony from Ajax, who may well play <laughs> right wing, which means that Rashford is either the striker oh, instead of Ronaldo yep. or playing on the left competing with maybe Sancho. So, but that's on the bright one. side, on the bright side for Craney, he'll probably be able to get Anthony as well if he wants him. So, you know, yep. Yep. I mean, no, no and, offense, Craney. 
Yeah, and let's and let let's face it, one of those is probably going to be offered to me for one of my players. So, uh, which I'll probably go for. So that's probably an A for that move too. Um, Mick is next. He dropped Edward for Jimenez. So I was going to go to Isaac first here. Is Edward going to be the starting striker for Palace, say medium term, the next four or five weeks? It seems like it. Okay. I, I honestly thought that um, I honestly thought that Mateta, Mateta was going to be based on a bit of preseason and what happened at the end of last season. But at the moment, it looks like he is the man. Okay, so Mick Jimenez. If it's the Jimenez of a couple of seasons ago before he got his skull fractured, uh, he's an elite striker. If it isn't, then he is probably even with Edouard, maybe a little slight upgrade. What were you thinking there with that move? Well, I guess there's two things to it. Um, first one is Wolves don't have an out-and-out striker um, other than him. So I figured he is less rotation risk to Edouard. Um, when I've got Mitrovic there um, and Wilson at the time was my other one, I wanted guarantee. Um, so that's kind of what it was. It's not necessarily about picking the player who's going to outright score more. It's about having the solidity of getting those two points. Um, the second thing I'll add in is you've gone through waivers. Have you gone through trades at all? Because Edward wasn't my player before or for that last round. I, I haven't even seen trades, to I be honest. I wasn't sure if anyone had actually seen that or not. What's that? No. Sorry. Edward, who I dropped for... Um, Jimenez wasn't yep. my player because my three forwards last week were Wilson, Mitrovic, and Awani. Okay, yeah, I can't see any more on the that's website. Right. I can tell you what it is now. Round, yeah. I figured it'd come up because um, huh. there's actually been two trades in our league, and they actually have to happen before waivers, so it might be worth going through that now. But the of the other trade which the two managers involved aren't actually here was a midfielder from Jeff Joe Ellington for Newcastle for Jordan Henderson from Craney. Um, so that's a Liverpool player going to Liverpool fan, Jeff. I would say that's generally your, your fourth and fifth mid swap, not probably too much in it. Um, relatively fair trade. You're probably slightly ahead with Joe Ellington just because he's more attacking. Um, but if Henderson plays in a team that wins 9-0 all the time, well, you're back into getting decent returns, particularly with the injuries they seem to have. Anyway, into my trade. Now, it started with, again, like I spoke about last week, trying to upgrade a midfielder or other position um, in return for giving up one of my strikers. So, no, it actually started with a offer to Ben, um, offering him Wilson because he was struggling with a forward um, for uh, Edward or whoever his third forward was in return to upgrading i believe it was a midfielder of some kind i can't remember exactly anyway the caveat to it was i said there is now a dorito of death a yellow one on wilson's name which and i said in all honesty i don't know what the go is i haven't looked into it if it's something serious it's probably a no starter anyway he looked into it swift since found out it's a three to four week hamstring injury uh, made it pretty tough but before we'd found that out i said if you are interested in this swap or in a swap for a tra uh, trade, I would be I would consider doing a trade for your goalkeeper. Now he had Allison. I had De Gea. Now this is after 
Man U had just beaten Liverpool. So there's probably a little bit more to it. So we ended up with a trade. And I said, look, if you're interested in the forward, Awani has been starting for Forest, but I said they do have something like 18 or 19 new signings now. He is one of them. Who knows who's going to start? They can't even put them all on the bench. Their team's that big. So in the end, the trade was I gave up Allison, uh, sorry, De Gea and Awani for Edward and Allison. So it was actually I upgraded a goalkeeper. I and I straight after we, after it happened, I messaged Ben straight away and said, just so you know, I almost feel bad. I think you are trading across in forwards and down in goalkeepers. So I said, consider it. I'm like, um, you don't have to go through with it. He said he wanted to take the risk. So that's where it is. So that's why that's why I had Edward. No intention to actually play him. Straight away I was gonna ship him out to try and get someone else. I knew I could get him in there because I was pretty confident Rashford was going first. So anyway, yeah. that's the story of that trade. Yeah, no, I agree with you on all the cool. counts there. Um, so, and just so uh, anyone knows as well, if ever Mick offers you a trade, it means he's about to drop that player. So that's his, he has a lot of history for that one. I so, had no intention of dropping O&E. That's no, why I said well, last week, I said I had three players I didn't want to drop. I want to trade for someone I can drop. Yeah, I always know that when I, whenever you've offered me a player, it's always been that player that you want to drop the next week, generally. Um, so that's... That's something that yeah uh, we we can go back over uh, another time. So um, I gave you a B for that grade for Jimenez. I I do like Jimenez. If he is if he gets something approaching to his form of the past, like you said, the only starting striker there. I think it's an upgrade for you. Ben dropped Harry Maguire for Pascal Streak from uh, Leeds. I strongly considered Pascal Streak. Looks like Leeds have started pretty well. Didn't have the best round, but we'll get to that a bit later. This is an A for me. It doesn't look like Maguire is getting back in our team anytime soon, given how good Varane and Martinez have actually looked as a pair. Uh, Nate was next. He dropped Azpilicueta for Varane. Azpilicueta may or may not play for Chelsea. Varane does look like he has nailed down the centre-back position when he's not injured. So provided Varane stays fit, it's an A. If he isn't, then, yeah, that's another grade we can talk about a bit later. Isaac, you're next. You dropped Newcastle United's prime mover, but a bit defensive, uh, holding midfield for Gimaraes for Aronson. We've mentioned Aronson already a couple of times, saying how good he's looked. Um, was that just a case of looking for a more attacking um, output from your midfield there, Isaac? Pretty much, yeah. He scored a goal the week before. Looks energetic. And Gimaraes then didn't play anyway. So, happy yep. overall. Yeah, no, I gave you an A for that one. I really like Aronson. I was uh, strongly tempted to go for him myself, but I really did. I really like my midfield all up. Whether I'm wrong or not, of course, we'll find out. Uh, Jeff was next. He tried for Rashid, um, which I know would be painful for him as a Liverpool man, uh, but settled for dropping Henderson that he'd immediately got in that trade uh, for Casemiro. Um, this one I debated whether it was a C or a D, because to me... <laughs> Um, I wasn't sure about this one because Henderson, when he plays, is definitely a box-to-box, can pop up for goals, maybe an assist every now and then. Casemiro, I see at best maybe one or two goals because I think he is definitely going to play the anchorman role because I think that Ten Hag wants to play him as the one holder with Ericsson and Fernandez in the midfield. So to allow that to happen, Casemiro has to hold and can't really attack. So uh, it's a tight one. 
I gave probably I don't think I can avoid giving Jeff a D for that one. Oh. But given that he given he proceeded to offer me Casemiro, um, I'm thinking that he maybe is hoping that I'll offer him one of my midfielders for Casemiro and make it look brilliant. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, Dan was next to try for Jimenez, but settled for dropping Solanke for Emmanuel Dennis, your old mate from Watford, Dave. Um, as we already mentioned, uh, Forest have about 10 strikers now. So if Dennis wins that spot, it looks great. If he doesn't, then he's traded a starting striker for a bench warmer. So uh, it's up in the air. Jury's out at the moment. What do you reckon, Dave? Is Dennis going to win that spot? Uh, no idea. But what I will say is <clears throat> there were fairly reliable reports coming out of the media in Watford that virtually the entire squad were extremely pleased to see the back of Dennis. Uh, apparently really unsettling figure in the dressing room. Didn't really get along with anyone and no one was sad to see him go, which given how relatively successful he's been um, was, yeah, quite interesting to read. So, yeah, maybe it'll just come down to actually how well he settles in that squad as to how successful he is. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick up there, Dave. Um, so then I was, uh, last I dropped Doherty uh, for Dallow. Um, I was really, really excited that to still get Dallow. I thought somebody else would jump in ahead of me. Um, so I'm pretty confident that's an upgrade there, um, given that Manchester look like that they are either trying to sell or loan out Wan-Bissaka. They think they've basically marked his cards as far as Ten Hag is concerned. So, I mean, really, really happy to get a definite starting right back for a player that doesn't look like he's going to be starting anytime soon for Spurs. Um, then next round, we had lots more moves. Justin was next. Drop Bamford for Johnson. Uh, this one's a C for me. I debated maybe a D because Bamford is a very, very good striker when he isn't injured, isn't injured being the operative word there. And Johnson may or may not have the starting job at Forest, as we talked about, has started the last few games, has looked pretty good. So I gave Justin the benefit of the doubt and went to C. Um, you could maybe make an argument for either a B or a D there, depending on your opinion there. Johnson's um, played every minute. He has. I, I but feel like you've got again, to give him the benefit of the doubt. When, yeah, yeah. I, I did give him a C. Um, yeah. I may be looking towards a B minus. I think the yeah, issue, me, issue there I think, is Craney's yeah. probably waited two weeks too long. He needed to do it when Bamford was definitely out, not right before he's come back. Yeah, yeah. So that's always going to be a tough one there because I think when Bamford's fit and given Leeds have started well, he is a much better striker than Johnson. So it's a tough one. We've talked about injured players. I'm not going to talk about injured players and invite uh, ridicule and abuse. So we'll go from there. Um, Mick was next. You tried for Rashford and Dallo, um, hoping that they may still be available. Not quite. But then you settled for dropping Rodak for Leno. Uh, just swapping for the starting goalkeeper at Fulham there, Mick? Yeah, that, I knew that one was no um, rush. That was my last in order. Um, I basically only wanted one of those players, so Jimenez or Rashford and Dallow was there. I just prioritised them based on what I thought. I I figured Rashford would go first. Um, the look at it, I would have happily taken all three. I just didn't want to risk. I, there was no one else that really took my fancy, so I kept hold of everyone else, basically. Um, and then Nate tried for Casemiro, Dallo, and Stroik, but missed all three. 
Uh, Jeff was next. Tried for Jimenez. Settled for dropping Armstrong for Adams. Uh, gave it a B because Adam looks slightly more likely to start, but Southampton haven't looked great, particularly going forwards. So I think Jeff's going to need a few more gambles there. We'll talk about that a bit later. And Justin was last um, with another move, dropping stones for Webster. Now, Brighton have started really, really well. Uh, I looked at Webster as a potential candidate for my team, but dropping stones at the moment with the port out injured and with RK out injured and with City about to host Forest, um, that's a tough call for me. I don't think Stones is their long-term starting centre-back, so I get the fact Justin needs to chase points. I gave him the benefit of the doubt here and went a C because uh, I do like Brighton start. I think they're going to keep going. They've got a really good run of fixtures coming up, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt there. Free agents, Justin drops Sinistera for Norgard, a C for me. Sinistera will be good when he's fit, but again, injured. Mick was next, dropped Wilson for Wood. Um, obviously, that will change again with your move for the next round. Uh, but I gave that an upgrade because obviously Wilson being injured, that was a that B. Was, that was to have a two-point on the bench if I needed it. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Um, so with Wilson out injured, I figured we can't be carrying that. That's fine. Um, and then Dan dropped Dennis immediately for more pie, who is now Everton's starting striker. Um I, again, I gave this an upgrade because you don't know if Dennis is going to start. So it was a B for me, but I'm not sure how Morpire is going to go at Everton. I think when DCL is fit, whenever that happens to be, 2026 maybe, um, he will probably play and Morpire won't. If it's a short-term move, then great, sure. So that was the end of round four transactions for us. Very nice. Yeah, lots, lots of moves. Um, and I think we're going to see very soon if any of those paid off in game week four. So it's probably time to look at the league ladder, gentlemen. I'm going to throw this up on the screen. Um, let's have a bit of a look. So uh, we do have uh, Craney uh, still in ninth place, uh, 35 points this game week, uh, followed by Ben in eighth, uh, 42 points this game week. Mick, you were able to make a bit of a charge up the leaderboard into seventh place, 68 points. You must be pretty stoked about that result. I only wanted to break 30, remember? And I did that. <laughs> well, you definitely did that. Well done. Uh, I'm just making my screen a touch bigger. There we go. Uh, we've also got then uh, Nathan in sixth place, 55 points in the game week. Uh, Dan, who was sitting pretty, I think he was up in second place, wasn't he? Or second or third place. Um, big drop with only 39 points this game week into fifth. Jeff staying steady on fourth with 53 points. Uh, Gilby, 38 points, dropping down from first place, I believe. So obviously not too happy with that at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, well, as I said, like, I didn't think that kind of round would happen too often. And, I mean, this round, the story was, did you have a Liverpool attacker or did you not? <laughs> uh, unfortunately for Jeff, he picked the wrong Liverpool attacker to have somehow. I saw his numbers and I couldn't quite believe it. Salah missed two point-blank shots. He had 14 touches in the penalty box, four shots in the box, two big chances, 1.23 XG, and three points. Uh, in amongst a 9-0 win for Salah to score three points, that is not going to happen very often. No. And unfortunately, Jeff did not have the rub of the green this week, and others did. When I saw the score, I thought, ah, oh, Jeff's, no, Jeff's at the top. Here we go. Let, let's see how this rolls. But it uh, wasn't to be, so we'll have to keep abreast of that one. Uh, that brings us into second place. That's myself. Uh, 70 points this game week, which I'm pretty happy with, obviously. I think that's the leading for 
uh, leading points for this game week. And then Dave climbed to the top, sixty-four points. Dave, how does it how does it feel? Um, is it uh, a bit bit too early to to celebrate just yet? Just taking it one game at a time. Just right. uh, not looking ahead. Just want to put in an effort on the training park and cliche, cliche, cliche. <laughs> very, very good. Well, how about we go through and have a bit of a look? We'll pick out some uh, highlights and maybe a few lowlights as well. Uh, we'll go with Craney at the bottom. Um, Dave, did you want us want to run us through how Craney went this game week, please? I can. Give me five seconds to bring it up on my screen. Uh, Craney. All right. Let's have a look. 35 points. Uh, Mendy with three. Um, big haul from Van Dyke, 12 points. Obviously scored a goal and uh, kept clean sheet in that 9-0 route. Um, Webster with five, so a clean sheet there. Nothing much other than twos and threes in the midfield. Um, strikers both with a combined two points. So both played 90, both got a yellow card. Um, and then just Shah and me also with one and two respectively. So, yeah, not much going on um, except for the two defenders there, Van Dyke and Webster with 12 and five respectively, uh, and a grand total of four points on his bench. So it's not like he could have really done anything differently there either. Yeah, I, I suppose good news for Craney, two, two pieces of good news. He's he's cracked the century, 100, over 100 points overall. So he's raised the bat. Uh, and he'll keep getting that uh, first round pick. And obviously, as transfers come to an end, the transfer market comes to an end. Hopefully, he's going to have an opportunity to pick up some some pretty good players. So that's probably the the silver lining there for Craney. Um, Mick, did you want to go through and talk about Ben's game? So forty two points overall. Um, what's did. the highlights and the lowlights for Ben? Uh, there's really two, uh, you could argue three highlights for Ben's team. Uh, one is first draft pick, or sorry, maybe second if Cancelo was first. Um, Sterling with 15, um, two points, three bonus, 15 points. De Gea got him eight, um, which is great, but he did actually have Henderson on the bench for nine. And I was talking to Ben and there was a, a lot of conjecture as to which one he'd pick. I still argue to Ben that he made the right choice. It's not every day Harry Kane would miss a penalty. If Kane scores that penalty, there's a solid chance Henderson gets one. Um, so it's well, at least only two. So it'd be a tough call. Unfortunate that he saved it because it would have been an extra goal conceded. It would have been lost the five points for penalty save. Um, and he also would have lost the bonus two that he got for that game. Can I just jump in there? Um, Gilby and Mick, you're the, the stats guys here. So you may have seen it or heard it um, or got it on hand. But what was it? Something like Henderson saved four of his last five penalties or something? Oh, I think I saw like, that too. Ridic ridiculous yeah. numbers. So when you say, oh, bad luck, well, he's like an elite penalty saver. He went early. He went super early for that Kane yeah. penalty too. And like he just he, he obviously knew where it all direction. had. A, yeah, he obviously had a good idea where he was going, went super early, and it paid off. Yeah. Well, he's the first person in four years to stop a Harry Kane penalty, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, I mean, he the only other three keepers to save a Kane penalty, Adrian, Fraser Forster, and Loris Carius. So not exactly an elite club. 
<laughs> um, but I can't see anything there regarding how many in a row he's made, but wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think I saw that on one of the um the wrap up highlight shows or something. Someone mentioned it. So I, I think I mean he lost a point there, Ben, but I still think he made the right call. It could very easily have been a one point. Um I think you'd take the eight points there. The only other player that really got any points of note um is Davies, who got a clean sheet for Spurs, got him six points. Ericsson did get the clean sheet. Um, so an extra bonus apart from that, just ones and twos across the board. I think probably the biggest one at the moment. And I mean, originally, um, it probably looked like a good trade, but Cancelo doesn't look like the same player he was last year. Um, looking, going into the draft, I think we'd all, all would have agreed. He's a top 15 pick pretty close to a top round pick. I think I had him in the top nine. Um, but probably at the moment looks probably the worst, arguably the worst of the top round picks. Um, so for Ben's sake, hopefully he can come good. Um, the other probably most important thing for Ben was he left Gallagher on the bench for negative two. So that's probably another win for Ben there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And hopefully Song Hyung Min starts to look like the golden boot player winner of last season and not the guy that basically had a tantrum when he got subbed at the 67th minute for a Charleston. So, yeah, I mean, I really like Son in real life. I think he generally, from everything from the outside, appears to be a generally good human being and a very good player. So I hope it turns around for him and Ben soon. Conte also did come out and say something regarding how good he thinks Ricky is. Um, I still don't... I th- you got to say Kulisevsky drops out before Sun does. Um, obviously, when fixtures pick up a little bit, sure, it's different. But uh, Sun has to yeah. start with Kane. They, they, those two have to be there. Ricky's got to be the one that swaps with Kulu, unless it's a short-term stint off the bench. I think um, the only the only issue there, Gilby, I, I have with what you said is that I don't think Ben really gives a crap because he's a Craney's player anyway. So, you know, there's that. I think the argument might be that was Sun a first round pick? Yeah. That, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to back Gilby up and say that's what he was arguing there. Sorry, I apologize. I thought he was talking in regards to uh, him being Ben's player. So my apologies. Hence hence my hence my dig. No, no, you're, you're right. I, I behind, <laughs> I had Justin's team on the screen. Never mind. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just regards regarding Conte. Yeah, I saw there was some quote where he basically said that um, Richarlison will be starting games imminently. So, yeah, whether it's Son or yeah. Kulu and whether that has any impact on Ben's team remain to be seen. But honestly, yeah. I was disappointed you didn't mention the moment of the week uh, your mate Richarlison getting hacked for oh, yeah. playing <laughs> tricks in the match. Uh, I mean... As uh, proud park right. footballers ourselves, that would have been a very tempting hack for all of us. So, yeah, I mean, well, I he was had, had he to, was playing down that. he was playing down the, the defensive right side. So, Dave, you would have definitely just chopped him. Ah, oh, look, I always had <laughs> a few rules. If they get past you once, you know, you just quietly say, "Yep, well done." You just cop it on the chin. If they get past you twice, you tell them. That's the last time that'll happen. And if they attempt to get past you a third time, you make sure that the second time was the last time it happened. <laughs> but, you know, with Ricky, I mean, it's pretty disrespectful to juggle the ball in the middle of a Premier League game. And, hey, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, he got smashed for it. And I don't think there's many people with much sympathy for him. No, I think you're right there. 
Very nice. Well, we will move on uh, to Mick. So you've made a climb. Now, Mick, I'm, I'll go quickly go through your team and we might then jump in with a few questions if you're happy with that. Um, we have a pretty good all-round effort with uh, 68 points in total. So Allison with six, um, bringing you know, a good points haul to your back line. We've got Alexander-Arnold with 17, which was inevitable with a 9-0 scoreline. Um, Connor Cody with eight points, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name. Can you pronounce that name for me, Mick or Gilby? A stupid name. A stupid name. There you go. You can just Fantastic. say a stupid name if you want. Okay, you stupid man. Very good. Yeah. Uh, six points. Scully so, <laughs> pretty pretty good solid back line uh, there. So, and then we go to the midfield again. Some good solid performers. Sack with five, Barnes with seven, uh, Eze with five, and then your forwards. Mitrovic with seven. He's been going along really nicely. Um, obviously, uh, brought about an error in the Leeds defence. Uh, Jimenez chipped in with two. Neto with two. I think. Um, is there any? Is, has Neto been a bit of a disappointment for you, Mick, or was he sort of your last pick and you're not too fussed at this point with him? Um, he was – I think he was my fourth mid. So I think he was around round nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, my my play this year was leave you two goalkeepers and one of each position to the end. And I think I had him and Bailey basically back-to-back at round ten and eleven. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree he is. He has been a bit of a dis- disappointment. I would argue he's probably the midfielder on the chopping block at the moment, um, particularly when they've got Guedes, they've signed, they've got Pedense, they've got um, Jimenez coming back. Um, so I, he's unlucky at the moment, hasn't really got me much. But the hard thing is, is what alternates are there in the free agency? And at the moment, there's not too much. So while he's playing and their fixtures are okay, he's probably going to hang around. So Yep. And my last question would be about your defense. A bit bit skinny in defense at the moment because of some injuries. I, look, I haven't studied the next waiver. Um, if you've rectified that, maybe we'll save that for them. But is that an area? No, I haven't rectified. So what, do, what are your thoughts rectified. there? Um, yes, that's going to happen sometime tonight if it happens. Um, I'm really stuck at the moment because Jensen, I think Jensen is in the top. Um, equivalent of what, 45 defenders. I think if I drop him, someone will pick him up, someone that does have a weaker defense. So I would like to hold him. The problem is, is I have two defenders who are in the same issue. Um, I, In a perfect world, I would love if Laporte was closer to returning because then I could drop Ake. The fact that Laporte's not meant to be back until mid-October, I think it was, um, Pep has always played a left foot, right foot, centre back pairing. Ake is the only other centre back that's left footed in the t- uh, in their squad outside of Laporte. So he's had to play Stones there um, with Diaz, both right footers, I believe. But Ake started the season really well, so I think as soon as he's fit, he's coming back. Um, he was Pep was quoted mm-hmm. as saying that he's. Um, back running again. I think he said that before the last game. So I don't think he's far away. So I don't think I want to drop him because I think when he is fit, they will slot him straight back in. Um, the benefit to a centre-back type role is it's pretty rare that if they are on the bench that they'll get put on the field. My issue is having the double defence that are out. Um, and if one of my other, say, a stupid man or Cody doesn't play, I only have two playing defenders and I won't get that third player in. So I'm not sure yet if I will be making a trade. I haven't. I didn't see any immediately that I said I need to jump in and get that before other people. Um, but don't rule it out. It depends if I can get any more information about Jansen and how long he's meant to be out. 
because there wasn't anything going into the round. He just didn't play. They've said it's now it's a foot injury. He trained and it was a bit worse than they expected and he couldn't play. So they're both really close. I just need to weigh up. Do I risk the copying of points for one round if something doesn't happen? Um, or do I drop them now? Mm. I, I think, think given we... your position, Mick, is uh, at least you're getting one of the early picks at the waivers. Maybe not the first yeah. one. But if you drop him, he gets locked and then you get a pretty quick chance to grab him back next week if you so choose. Yeah, that's true. And I, I guess it did work when I was well first when I was last. It happened with Barnes. I dropped Barnes, got Drewsbury Hall, got the two points, got Barnes back the next week when he returned. My issue is I think at least I rate those two guys higher than probably the majority of the two guys below me in their defense. Um I know we just went through it. I can't even remember who it was. But if I compare them to, say, like what I would consider the two worst defenders, say, in Ben's team, Walker, Peters, and Struick, I would be taking Jansen before those two every day of the week. Um, and if I look at Craney's team, Ben Mee, pretty similar. I would argue that Jansen's more likely to play and a more of a goal threat, probably slightly more of a goal threat. Um, Webster, maybe not, but Castagne, probably the way Leicester is. So I think I'm less likely to get them. Um also because of the quality of the rest of the league uh, free agency and the other positions. There are no forwards, really. You have to take a risk for that other forward. Like Eduard, he may just randomly get dropped for Mateto. They may play Zaha up top. They might play Jordan Ayu up top. You just don't really know. Um, midfielders is actually not that much until you start going defensive. That's the majority of what's left. Defenders, you can always rotate based on good fixtures. So, and the other thing is, Brentford have really good fixtures after next week. That's why it makes me lean towards Ake. I just kind of wish Laporte was going to be back sooner, and I hadn't read that about him because um, I think long term I'm going to get more points probably by holding on to these two and not playing, especially if I can still fit a whole team playing this week. Yep. No, fair enough. Well, let's. Move on now, uh, and we'll look at Nathan. Uh, he's our next one. Gilby, would you do the honor now? Nathan got 55 points. Generally, if you're getting over 50 points in a game week, that's pretty good. That's where you need to be consistently, and he did a really good job of that at the back end of last season, getting over 50 points consistently. So, Gilby, run us through Nathan's team. Yeah, no, classic Nate style. Uh, got great points from players that you did not expect to score great points from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really solid week. Dyer, Veltman, Varane, shutouts for everybody there. Six points each. Fornals, 11. Gross, 11. The, you'd argue, elite players from his team. Really only appearance points apart from Vardy, who did chip in with the five. So, I mean, really, really solid week. Classic Nate style getting points from players that you didn't expect. And, of course, with Nathan, if we scroll down, uh, Matip, Laporte, he's his, the, his two elite defenders are currently injured. So, he's obviously... At this point in time, willing to keep a hold of them, so we'll have to wait and see if that continues. Sounds, sounds very similar to my predicament. He's in a very, very yeah. similar one. Um, Laporte's obviously had a little bit longer term than my two, but Matip apparently should be back for this weekend. I think okay. he'll probably start straight away. His issue is I think Veltman's also carrying a knock, so he's going to yeah. have to make a trade if he hasn't already. 
Yeah, that's right. So we'll have to look into that uh, coming up. So let's continue on with Dan's team. Um, I'll quickly run through Dan's team. So 39 points for Dan this particular game week. Would have been a little bit disappointing considering where he was sitting in the table. Um, not really too much to write home about other than Luis Diaz, who had a cracker of a game for 14 points. That's where the majority of his points came from. Cucurella with five points. Saliba with seven points. Um, Saliba's been excellent, getting really good points. Cucurella's looked really good for Chelsea as well. Um, would have been a bit upset with uh, Jesus and maybe Harrison not getting uh, the points that they've been accustomed to over the last couple of weeks. And his Man City defense didn't work out this week either with uh, Diaz and Walker, pardon me, only getting one point each. So that would have been a bit disappointing. He's had Richarlison on the bench for four. Uh, Mopai, who he's now at Everton, sitting there uh, waiting maybe to be played this coming week. We'll have to wait and see. Um, so 39 points for Dan. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if he does anything drastic, but he's got some decent players there. They just didn't come to the fore this particular game week. Just on two players there. So, you know, we've all been um, impressed by Saliba and I was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty um, positive when Dan picked him up and, yeah, I thought he was going to be a good player, but... Personally, I stayed away from him being, you know, a centre-back. You prefer to go for your, your wing-backs, but he's been great. Um, the other one I just want to highlight is De Silva. Now, in the normal budget version of the FPL, um, people this season appear to be incredibly reactive, like more so than I remember in past seasons. And he had a few great early weeks. Um, people rushed him in, and I just thought he was ridiculously overperforming and that it couldn't continue um i don't know when dan brought him in but i mean the two points there doesn't surprise me in the slightest for De Silva. yeah but as mick said they've got such great fixtures that he might yep. be willing to hold him for a little bit longer but you're right yeah a bit of overperformance potentially there um let's now have a look at jeff in fourth place he stayed there with 53 points 190 points all up one point behind gilby so gilby i'm gonna hand jeff's team over to you um, let's run through his team really quickly. Yeah, I mean, it was the Liverpool story for Jeff, as it often is. Unfortunately, I mean, when we saw the 9-0, I thought Jeff is on for a 100-point round here, given his Liverpool assets. Didn't quite work out. But, I mean, Robbo with 9, and obviously Firmino with 22. The cool thing with Firmino actually looked, because I had, I'm one of the people that's had Firmino before. I think a few of us have at different points. Um, Firmino's 22-point haul was over a third of what he managed in the entire season last season. So one of those players that is great in real life, but just does not translate well to fantasy with the role he plays. But, I mean, this week... And a 9-0 win, I think it was two goals and an assist, or was it something like that? I can't remember exactly. Two um, goals, three, three assists. assists. Three assists, there you go. So, assists, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know Jeff was uh, would have been very annoyed with Salah, but overall, you take a 50-point round, as we've often said. And, yeah, I mean, he was overjoyed to pick up Firmino from the free agents. He thought he wouldn't be able to get him, and he got him. And it looks like he's going to start maybe a little longer with Jota still out, um, maybe coming back pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, while Nunes can't play because of his headbutt and Jota's injured, he's making hay while the sun shines, Chef. Absolutely. So, and like you say, like, at least if Sal's not going to perform, Firmino comes in with 22 points, 
you know, bit of a silver line there for him. Nine points from Robertson as well. Six from Royale. You know, solid performance. Getting over 50 points for the game week. Can't complain with that. Uh, so, Gilby, that leads us to yours. I'm going to get Dave to grill you on your 38 points, if that's okay, Dave. Uh, and we'll sort of see where we sit there. It's never as good as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems, is it, Gilby? <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, like I said that for Mick last season, I mean, his team is better than he thought it was. Um, man, and he showed that this week and yeah, I mean, my team is never going to be scoring. I think I got 60 something points last week. So that's never sustainable, uh, particularly when just two starting strikers, uh, combined for three. So yeah, I mean, I've got some issues and whether or not that is still the case after this weekend when the window closes that's going to be the big question for me well yeah let's let's start right there so what did ronaldo get you four minutes last game week this time he got you 22 minutes so you know that's that's headed in the right direction assuming he probably had, a, he probably had like one more sprint in the whole game as well yeah probably good probably yeah. um but yeah not much to write home about in terms of returns um Trossard, six. Gunduan, four. Um, your big one in defence. Dello, um, also, you know, clean sheet, assist. Um, Automatic substitution, bonus. I might add. Auto <laughs> you got lucky that came in. <laughs> yep. Um, and Ray with six. So a few saves uh, and some bonus. But uh, I think my take home looking at, you know, at Gilby's team here, yeah, there's a little bit of tinkering to be done. You've got De Bruyne. You've got Gundogan, who's been playing. Um, Madison is likely to play. Um, Tommy Asu, I'm a bit of a fan of, despite the fact that his injuries plagued me last season. And you'd expect Chilwell to get points. So, you know, it's workable. And you were in the lead until this game week, so... I think you're there or thereabouts, and it's one of those things where you'll cop, not that it was a bad round by any means, but you'll cop a bad round on the chin if you know that it's the result of the correct decisions, just that haven't paid off. So yeah, I think you've got a bit of tinkering, but I don't think it's as terrible as it could have been. Yeah, no, I mean, like as Mick said, I got lucky there. I have made a move that we'll get into very soon. But, I mean, De Bruyne did not have his best match. So, hope that maintains. I've seen Bernardo Silva started ahead of Gundogan this week. So, that could be some trouble there for me. I mean, Pep really does like Bernardo Silva. And I will tell you that this week I am starting Alvarez from the start. So, if that pays off, great. If it doesn't, we'll see. But... Hosting Forest uh, seems like a great opportunity to start Alvarez and hope for a bit of luck there. Yeah. No, fair call. I, th I think he's probably good for a start uh, in your team. Uh, I would imagine Harlan might get a bit of a rest and maybe come on at the end. Have to wait and see uh, whether that changes my team and my thinking. Who knows? Haven't really thought about it yet. Um, <laughs> so that does lead us into second place. So that was my team with 70 points, the highest points total in the game week, which is awesome i'm really pleased with that uh mick do you want to take us through my team if that's okay really quickly once i bring it up excellent okay so obviously we've spoken about Haaland 17 points um 
other big performers. I mean, you had a few across the board. Bernardo, we just mentioned, got nine with a goal and two bonus. Gabriel got a goal and one bonus for nine. Fernandez got a goal and a clean sheet for eight in total. Um, then you also had Lewis Dunk for a clean sheet and a bonus for Brighton and Lloris with a clean sheet against Forrest with six. So quite a few. No, other than Haaland, no ridiculous hauls. Um, just when you can get multiple players between six and ten points, you're going to go pretty well. Um, other than that, you had Henry, Tony for two. Bowen got three. Probably a little bit disappointing so far this season. Um, and Aronson for, for one. So nothing really left on the bench. Uh, Martial, who'd be an interesting one with a bit of an injury going on at the moment. And Romero with a lack of match fitness, it says here. Um, only three points in total there. So obviously Forest defender, really attacking one, but you got to wait for the right fixtures for him. So overall 70 points, going to be pretty, pretty bloody happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was I was happy if I think before the last set of games, I was I'm like, oh, if I forget up to fifty points. Yeah, awesome. So worked out pretty well. So pretty chuffed with that. Um, and so I think it's time, drumroll please, that we talk about Dave's team on top. Congratulations, Dave. Well done. Sixty four points. Let's. I'll, I'll roll through your team really, really quickly, and then you just have to. Talk us through the magic that that obviously happened this this game week for you. We have uh, Fabianski eight points. Who would have thunk it? Uh, James seven points. Perisic six. Creswell six. Uh, absolutely stellar backline, which is good to see. Odegaard ten, keeping that really good form. Saint Maximum finally actually was able to score a goal with nine points, which is good to see. And Kane with ten points could have been better if he didn't miss the uh, penalty. So. Dave, 64 points. Got to be pretty happy with it. Um, are you... Zinchenko, uh, he's, he's got a Dorito of death at the moment. St. Maximum does as well. I can't imagine those two are leaving your team, however. Uh, absolutely not. St. Maximum is absolute quality. Uh, that's only a new one that's come up. Um, I only noticed it earlier when we started the pod, so I need to look into that one a bit. Um, but Zinchenko's on his way back in, um, just a minor injury that he missed out the last game, and I'd expect him to play midweek. Yep. Well, Zinchenko also, um, sorry, Tierney started the game for Arsenal, got hooked after 60-something minutes, and as soon as they made that change, Arsenal came back into the game. So I dare say as soon as Zinchenko's fit, he's likely to start. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And Perisic looks quality, doesn't he? Like he – I don't think – did he start the game as well, or did he not – yeah, he did. Uh, he did start yeah, he the did. game, yep. but um, just looks like a genuine threat for getting, you know, any attacking points, any points. Like he's just he's there, thereabouts every week. Anytime he's on the park, he spends most of his time in the final third, whipping in crosses and whipping in crosses from uh, positions under pressure that you don't expect players to be able to whip crosses in from. Um, I've been saying it, you know. For the last few weeks now that players like Perisic, um, Botman, uh, Samaka, and to a lesser extent, more recently, Telemans, I've been worried about their minutes. Uh, but it seems like they're, I mean, Botman's playing all the time now. There's still a lot of conjecture um, around whether or not Perisic will get rotated with Sessegnon. I think that will happen, but he's playing that well that I just need to start him every week and hope he starts. And if he doesn't, cop that on the chin. Like I said about Gilby's team, you know, 
you cop the loss of points in a one-off week if you know it's the right move, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy, hey. <laughs> Very nice. Two, two questions for you. Number one, will Lingard still be in your team in three weeks' time? You can ask them. Yep, all right, cool. Thought you were going to ask me both questions and I answer. No, just just them, one but, at a time. Sorry. Uh, not likely. No. Okay, good. Number two, uh, what's going on the back of the jersey? What's going on the back of the jersey? Look, I don't know yet. <laughs> I mean, if you'd have asked me this um, in the off season, well, even then, I don't know. I do. I do like Ishmael Assar, but. I'm not convinced <laughs> that he'll be around for long enough for me to worry about it. We'll wait and see. Very good. Very good. Well, maybe, good to Maybe hear. something witty. That doesn't sound like you, Dave, at all. Not at all. Not at all. Well, very good. Look, th- that is where we're sitting. So in total, if we look at the league, uh, you've got a 15-point lead over over myself. Uh, you know, so a bit of a bit of a buffer, but as we know that happens at this time of the season, it is very up and down. Um, you know, I went from fifth to second in one week. I could easily go from second to sixth this week. Like, who who knows? So we'll see what happens. It will be a good midweek uh, game week. So speaking of midweek game week, Gilby, did you quickly want to run through what those waivers were looking like, the ones that just happened? Uh, might sort of give us a bit of an idea where some of the managers are going two and maybe what some of their issues they feel they had and how they've uh, fixed those up. So Gilby, run us through that nice and quickly. All right. Mick was first. He was the lucky man who picked up the new transfer to the league, Isaac. Um, he is a hero on FIFA and Football Manager. So if he's anything like those games, he is an elite striker and it'll be a great pickup for Mick. And A there. Dan tried for Isaac, but he settled for dropping potence for Andreas. If Fulham do anything, Andreas will probably be at the center of it. It's a slight upgrade for me. It's a B. Jeff also tried for Isaac. He settled for dropping Adams for Bamford. I know that Jeff is happy to take risks all season with the striking position and is overjoyed to have Bamford, uh, even though he's injured. So it's an upgrade for me. It's an A. Um, I dropped Tomiyasu for Stones uh, in the hope that uh, City would be able to shut out uh, Forest, which I think is a pretty safe bet as long as Stones actually plays. That would be looking like a good move for me. Isaac, you also tried for Isaac, but you settled for dropping Ramiro for Malasia. I was pretty tempted by this one. I thought it was a tempting one. If he holds a starting position ahead of Shaw, which looks pretty likely, it's a really good move. I gave you a B there. Dave was next. He dropped Lingard for Elise. Um, We've talked in previous podcasts about Elise. I think he's really good. If Forrest are going to do anything, though, it'll probably go through Lingard. Uh, we may have some time for both you and Isaac to maybe talk about it soon, about what you're thinking with those moves there. Free agents, Nate, so far, is, uh, I think Mick may add to the free agents late if he's going to keep his defenders. But Nate has been first dropping Danny Ings for Edward. Um, I'm not sure about that move. I don't know which way it's going to go. Ings may or may not start for Villa, who haven't been good. Edward may or may not start for Palace. I mean, it's a tough one. It's a C for me. It's a sideways move. And Justin was next. He dropped Ben Rama for Rodri. And I was pretty uh, forthright on Rodri, saying it was a horrible pickup in the draft, uh, particularly where he was picked up in the draft. 
but Rodri has had two assists so far and is looking pretty solid there for City. So given Justin's team uh, some some solidity, maybe an improvement. So I'm going to go for a B for Justin there. So, yeah, some interesting moves there. I think Mick would be overjoyed to have Isaac. A few managers there would be pretty happy with what they picked up. And that's where I'll probably have to love you and leave you, boys. Good luck for everything. No worries. Thanks, Gilby. Cheers for that. So, Dave, I mentioned Lingard. I hadn't looked at the waivers, but I just noticed that he hasn't really done all that much for Forrest. Forrest, you know, they're going to struggle. Um, what made you go for Elise in particular? Uh, he's quality. He's coming back from an injury. Uh, and I figured if I didn't pick him up while he was still slightly injured, I wouldn't have a chance to pick him up or someone of similar quality once he's back. Like, much like for those of us that, you know, will know what was going on with our league last year, I was very big on you know, making moves two or three weeks in advance because of the way the waivers were falling and I was getting a late pick. I was forced into it. It's much the similar kind of situation here. If I didn't pick him up now, I'm not going to get a chance to ship out Lingard. And yeah, Gilby's right. If Forrest do anything, it'll go through Lingard. But that hasn't happened yet and you can only hang on for so long, right? The, The easy solution to this, Dave, is don't do well and get an early pick. Oh look, that is that is a solution, no <laughs> doubt. Um, not one I'm entertaining. Uh, hopefully, have to wait. Well, I I think I I at least has quality. I like him. I love him. He's gonna be when he gets back fit. He will, in my mind, he will start. Like he he started maybe uh, got half the minutes sort of that he should have last year in terms of like full game. So he got a sort of half half of those minutes. I think he'll definitely increase on that this year. And there's rumors Zaha might be going somewhere. He's in the last year of his contract. He might, he, rumors he may go to Chelsea, but I mean, Chelsea are linked with everyone at the moment. Um, whether that happens or not, if it does happen, at least that comes in. He's going to be a genuine starter. Um, I really like him. So good set piece taker as well. Has a uh, glides past players just like Eze does. So I think that um, he just brings a lot to that attack. So good pickup. I'm keen to see how it goes. Mick, Isaac, um, I went for him as well. Um, I, he was on my radar very early on when I found that he'd moved. Um, I, I mean, it just seems right that he's in my team, to be fair, given my name and his, mm. you know, could could we do a potential trade? I don't know. Maybe down the line. But are you feeling confident, quietly confident with him in your team now? I mean, I just wanted to have all three of Newcastle strikers in the space of a week, which I've achieved. Um, well done. The, the fact that Callum Wilson's out, they've spent $60 million on this dude. I'm going to back him to start at some point <laughs> and like, get into that position. Um, Newcastle $60 million is just loose change for the new owners, though, right? No, that, that is true, but it is their record <laughs> signing. Um, I'm pretty sure their record before that was about 40 or just over 40 marks. So it's a relatively – obviously, it's different owners, so it's percentage to what they can spend. It's nothing, um, but it is a sign of intent because he is a pretty young dude. I'm pretty sure he's only like 22, um, kind of without making comparisons, kind of the Harlan build, like tall um, but agile enough um, and – can 
is skilled enough to create his own as well as just position himself to finish. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But I think while Wilson's out, um, he's going to be a much more mobile threat rather than Chris Wood. I think Chris Wood was a great one for them for the end of last year to help them from relegation. So he could be from set piece, hold up play, feed out to St. Maximin um, to try and create something. Wood's more of a bench role. Great player to throw when you're all out attack at the end and you've got a set piece because he'll fight for it and bring the ball down for you. But I don't see him starting. Um, when, when I originally went for him, I... Chris Wood's minutes were perfectly inverse or complementary. I don't know what the technical terminology is for Wilson. So every time Wilson came off, Wood came on. So I figured that week when Isaac hadn't had his work permit yet, that would be a straight swap. Um, but I dare say now it'll be Isaac going in. So my issue this week is just to decide if, I've, if I'm not going to make a trade and I have two defenders sitting out, who my one other midfielder attacker sitting out is. At the moment, it's probably going to be Isaac in a – hasn't played a game against Liverpool. I think that's probably a safe-ish one. Yeah. Um, the other alternate is potentially Harvey Barnes against Man U, but I reckon if someone's going to pick up points, it's more likely to be Barnes than Isaac. So it's probably where I'm sitting at the moment, but yeah, pretty happy to get that one. Um, I also did look at Malasia, but yes, he got a clean sheet. Points are a little bit inflated. I don't know if his attacking output was that great though. Um, from the little bit I've seen, I didn't watch the game, so maybe he passed an eye test, but... From the numbers I've seen, he didn't necessarily bomb forward. It, it, the numbers kind of struck me a bit like Juan Bissaka. Solid defensively and will help them, which is what they need, but won't necessarily get forward and whip balls into the box. And as far as I'm aware, he's not a set-piece taker. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I can totally get that. Um, I had another question for you. Were you surprised that uh, Craney and Ben didn't dip their toe into the waiver? Uh, yeah. Yep, relatively. Um, I guess my I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't make any trades. I'm not necessarily surprised they didn't pick up Isaac. Um, both of those guys, Craney, I don't know as much about, but I know they're less into the game than we are. They're less invested in the league as we are. Um, so in terms of surface digging statistically, Isaac wouldn't have shown up on any kind of radar in the game. You'd have to be up with the general knowledge of what's happening in the league, general news articles to have seen that he's come into the league yep. rather than that. So I'm surprised they didn't make any trade considering their teams, um, but I'm not necessarily surprised that Isaac slipped to me. I was really hopeful. Um, yep. I, it was a straight swap, pretty easy one in my decision, in my opinion. But yeah, not necessarily surprised they didn't make any, but not that it wasn't that. And I think uh, for anyone who's playing uh, Draft Fantasy, um, these next few days, there's going to be lots of trades, uh, lots of loans, like lo a few players come into the league, a few players leave one club to go to another club in the league, which might change how much they play. So it's a good idea to keep up to date with, you know, where players are going, who those players are, are they attacking players, are they going to get your points, you know, are they going in for big money? Because if so, they're probably going to play. Uh, so yeah, definitely try to keep up to date with that. And, uh, hopefully you'll be able to pick up a good player, uh, in the, in the waiver. So that's something that you should be looking out for. Um, Dave, you've got something to discuss this week. Uh, we should probably do that before we look at the next game week. So, uh, are, are you ready to have a bit of a discussion? What's your topic this week? 
My topic is in the form of a posed question. How short is too short? So just before we, not long before we went to air tonight, uh, I've seen that Scott Parker has been sacked as the uh, manager at Bournemouth. Now, obviously on the back of a 9-0 loss to Liverpool, that doesn't help. But hey, you know, Ralph Hasenhutl did it twice and he's survived it. Um, but for me, like I, I just brought up a, a list of the shortest serving Premier League managers. Now, um, Jacques Santini at Tottenham in 2004 lasted 11 league matches. Um, Sammy Lee at Bolton Wanderers, 11 matches. Bob Bradley at Swansea, 11 matches. Paul Sturrock at Southampton, 9. Les Reed at Charlton Athletic in 2006 lasted 7 games. And the record shortest Premier League matches stay uh, is one that, Isaac, you'll be familiar with. Frank De Boer. <laughs> oh, Frankie. Four, four matches for Crystal Palace in 2017. Yep. Now, I think it's appalling that Scott Parker has gone so quickly. He brought them up from the championship. They've not invested huge amounts of money. They're, they're not Nottingham Forest. Right, they've <laughs> just thrown all the money at all the players. They beat Aston Villa in the first week, and then they went on to lose against uh, City, Arsenal, and Liverpool. No one in their right mind would have been expecting Bournemouth to get a single point against City, Arsenal, or Liverpool. They've done what they had to do. They beat Villa. Okay, 9-0 doesn't look great. But, I mean, you know, I'm the Watford supporter here having a dig about sacking managers too early. Um, <laughs> but I reckon four games after bringing a team up from the championship and the fixtures that that has entailed is atrocious. Discuss. I, I agree with you. I, the only way I could see it making sense is if there was an outstanding candidate with international or ridiculous pedigree available that they'd already hit up, ready to go. Now, I think the thing that makes this even more ludicrous is there is two days of the transfer window open. Whoever they bring in has to use the same side that Parker has assembled. Yep. I What I don't understand is who... Can the, I guess, top dogs of Bournemouth possibly expect to have done a better job with Scott Parker's team than Scott Parker right now? And I guess the, the answer to that is they've got someone in mind or they just think it's not Scott Parker. Mm. But unless they have an alternative, I just don't see how that's the right decision. And the only ones, like the only managers in world football that you can really uh, anticipate wanting to go there now would be like some lower league manager aren't, potentially yeah, aren't from that quality. That's right. And they're not, you know. Is uh is Ange up to the task? <laughs> He's so. not gonna do it. I reckon that's Ange. Belongham right now. Absolutely it is. He's in the Champions League for goodness sakes. Absolutely it's below him. Ange yeah. Angie you know 
I he wouldn't get he the opportunity to do what he needs to do and he would want to that's do. Right. That's right. If you also look, if you consider Celtic and Rangers on the same playing field, Gerard went straight through a villa who was around the 10th mark at the time. I realise they're probably not there now, but they were a mid to starting to push to the next level. Ange has had equal success so far. Probably hasn't done it for a, a sustained period of time yet, but that is 100% belief to Ange right now. So I guess the, I, I, it's got to be the wrong decision. The only way they can do this, I think that would make sense, is if they needed three points from the last two games and they wanted that bounce. In that sense, maybe. But with 34 games to go, I don't know what they expect. No. Look, it's interesting to, to see what Scott Parker's put out in the media, like, you know, after the Liverpool game, reading between the lines, like he basically said, we're not equipped for the Premier League. It seems as though uh, he's had discussions, I would say, with the owners to say, look, you need to you need to do something. We've got two days remaining in the transfer window. Who are we bringing in? Because we need some more reinforcements to try and stay in this league. Um, he was probably a bit more forceful, maybe with a few more choice words than that, potentially. I don't know, reading between lines. Uh, but in the press release from Bournemouth, it did say that uh, what they're wanting to do in terms of remaining sustainable in their approach uh, sort of didn't line up with... Uh, Scott Parker's viewpoint. Uh, and I would assume that, that is the reason why he's been let go. Um, you know, he made some pretty strong points in the media about needing more enforcements. They've only spent 26 million, and I say only spent, they've only spent 20, 27 million pounds, um, or euros, in fact, um, 26 million euros. They've got. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players for that. Um, three of which are free transfers. Two of which, um, basically were, were on loan to another club who have come back to them. They've only paid for two players, fifteen million and twelve million, pr- approximately, uh, for two players who haven't played in the Premier League before. So it's not as though they've spent their money trying to get tried and trust, tested players from the Premier League. You know when, uh, certain players have been available for free that they could have got. Um, so I'm not sure if it, we, I understand them wanting to be sustainable, but if they don't have the ambitions to stay in the Premier League and that's what Scott Parker wants to do, I can understand him potentially not wanting to hang around as well because they're not backing him. They're not giving him the funds he needs um, to actually try and stay there. So it just seems odd. Like, don't you get around about 200 million pounds for being in the Premier League, more or less over the course of the time that you're there. Plus uh, the parachute payments. Plus the parachute. So I don't understand them not spending that money. I understand being sustainable and not wanting to break your wage structure and all those things. Totally get that. But when you're not even bringing in tried and trust, tested uh, Premier League players, like they had Gary Cahill on the books. They let him go before the start of this season I'm not saying he's, you know, up there as one of the quality centre-backs anymore, but surely he's a person you could have just kept around the squad because he's been there, done that, knows the standard. It's. I was just having a look at the transfer spending for the um, this window of Premier League teams, and it's actually got an interesting incomings to outgoings. So Bournemouth, of a list of net expenditure, would be 
13th overall with 24.21 million, uh, I assume that is pounds spent. They, if you look at the table, are not in the relegation zone. There's actually three teams below them. One of the three teams below them has a net spend more than Bournemouth. So why are we not talking about Wolves manager? Is it uh, Bruno? Large. Uh, large, yeah. Large, yeah. How is he not? He hasn't had the hard fixtures because if Palace has played City, Liverpool and Arsenal and Bournemouth have played City, Liverpool and Arsenal, I highly doubt Wolves have played City, Liverpool and Arsenal. I mean, that just seems a bit unfortunate, but they're above Everton. They're above Leicester. They're above Wolves. They played like Leeds, Fulham, and Tottenham. Leeds, Fulham, Tottenham, Newcastle. Surely Wolves, who have a net spend, they've spent 106 million and they've made 35 for a net spend of negative 71. Surely he should be in the firing line, right? I still think I, it's I just, too early. Going to oh, my original point, oh, yeah. it's too early. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, I just found that really interesting that that's even that, that's not being spoken about. Surely, and now maybe this is where the character of Scott Parker comes into it. If you him as a player, I can only assume it somehow goes into how he is as a manager and a person. And maybe there's more to it than we think. Obviously, we know the comments he's made in the media. Maybe he's gone further than that behind the closed doors with management, and they've just disagreed completely and not happy with how he's doing things. So they've just. Maybe it's more of a personnel thing, less of a performance-related thing, because I agree with you. I don't think he should have been sacked. Yeah, 100% no. But on that note, like even Joey Barton had a managerial career. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, not, not Premier League level, but, you know, if you're talking about dodgy characters in the dressing room who are likely to fire up, even Joey Barton had a managerial career. <laughs> Can yeah. I just point out, I was looking at this off topic, this list, um, who has the best net spend? They've actually made 68 million this transfer window. Any ideas? Ooh. Or how many clubs have a Liverpool. positive? How many clubs have a positive? No, Liverpool's are four and a half million spent. So right. they're just I was, thinking, I was thinking they've shipped off Mane, but... They obviously yep. brought in a lot as well. So they've spent seventy-seven two. They actually <laughs> um, they've received seventy-two six. So there's mm. three teams with a positive. Leicester City have made no signings, but have made less than a million. So they're nine hundred k, I guess, to the good. Leeds United have made two thousand two million. Brighton have made the most at sixty-eight. Obviously, Cucurella selling for seventy helps. And Man City, Man City have actually. Spent 109 and made 143 million. That's pretty impressive. Not bad. I mean, Arsenal helped them out a lot there. True. <laughs> Arsenal have spent almost 100 million in total. So I guess that pretty much all goes to City. <laughs> and Chelsea, obviously, Sterling wouldn't have been cheap either. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree that it's far to like. When you think about the fact that he's had a preseason, he's got his players playing the way that you know he feels they need to play with the people he's got. There's there's no backup plan here. There's no there's nothing to suggest that they actually have done this for any other reason than we've got a manager who doesn't fit with what we want him to do anymore and is now complaining about the team, complaining about us. So see you later. And uh, 
yeah, I think it's pretty disrespectful to not give him more time and opportunity to try and, you know, see their views align as well. So seems uh seems seems a little bit silly, unfortunately. On a side note on a tangent, um, not talking EPL, <clears throat> but the obviously, you know, we're Aussies and we're all big Ange fans and Celtic won nine nil against Dundee and apparently their manager has gone now as well. And it's still only early days in the SPL. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm just looking up um, some free agents who are still available who they, they could have maybe got their hands on. Uh, let's have a look at a few. Uh, Ross Barkley's now become a free agent. Chelsea's uh, mm-hmm. slashed his contract, although he was apparently on 200... Um, what was it? Something ridiculous per week. Um 200,000 pounds per week, probably, or something like that. I mean, Bournemouth the not going to pay that in their wage structure, but, you know, he might still want to pay in the Premier League. Weird side note, the midfield of Liverpool has been their sticking point so far. Barkley, as an Everton boy, would Liverpool entertain him? Is he good enough? Probably not. Well, Is he my, one better on a short-term is- sheet contact? One of the issues with my team is what to do with T Elements, and I've said I've got to wait for the end of the um, transfer window, but there are rumours that they're in for him now as well. And I did see that they just spent a lot of money securing Jude Bellingham, but I don't think that's till next season. Oh, have they? Liverpool have? I don't think it's officially confirmed, but it's pretty close to announcing. Yep. Interesting. Because I think Klopp came out this week and said, he, originally he came out and said, no, we don't need, no, we don't need. And he actually came out and said, I was wrong. The media was right. Yep. We do need. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they do go in for. Um, and on a side note, they've just announced Manchester yep. United. Anthony has signed. So interesting to see what happens. Uh, Rashford, Martial, Ronaldo and Sancho owners. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be a big one. Uh, Gilby will be licking his lips trying to figure out which midfielder to trade for him. So there we go. Trying to work out how we can still justify playing Ronaldo. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here's a few here's a few other players that Bournemouth uh, could just give a, a one year contract to. You know, no no long term commitment. Here's some free agents, Premier League experience, or you know, good experience. Uh, Ross Barkley. Um, I I believe this player might be linked to West Ham. Um, a, Adnan Janazai, I, I feel like I've pushed that name. X-Man U yep. player. Uh, Serge Aurier is a free agent, ready to go. Uh, William, ready to go. Diego Costa, ready to go. Marcello, ready to go. Um, and then we could even look at Jean Marta. You know, he, he's there, he's ready to go. Um, and with a, a bit of a, an Australian flavor, Tommy Rogic, ready to go. You know, what... Give these mm. boys a one-year contract. Mm. Come on, let's go. Come on, Bournemouth, do it. Don't think anyone knows what's going on with Tommy Rodjick at the moment. Well, most recent I heard was Everton would potentially in for him. Um, be good to see him in the league. Um, I it think would. that could could re- work relatively well. Um, but with Serge Aurier, I believe Forrest are going to sign him because they need <laughs> another player. Do they? I, it, it's literally wow. being leaked. <laughs> Well, look, uh, you know, Bournemouth, he could put a pretty good team of, you know, uh, pretty much an over-30s team just about with those names there. But, hey, why not? One-year contract, you know, no no long-term commitment. Who doesn't want to do that? That would be great. Good, good for them. When, you, when you're inevitably going to be fighting for relegation and to keep your place in the league, you want some of those experienced yeah. heads that 
know what the league's about, or at least, you know, top flight football, whether it's Premier League or, you know, Spain or Italy or Germany, wherever it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can get them cheap, good shout. Why not? Why not? Do it. You know, keep keep your... <laughs> give your coach or manager something to cling on to instead of just yeah. deciding that, well, you're done. See, off your la- oh, see you and, later. Off you go. And we're speculating that he got sacked here, right? But yeah. we've already said that he's been making comments in the media about, you know, I need help. And maybe they just said no. And maybe it was his decision to walk away. We don't know yeah. this yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it will be very, very interesting to see what the wash-up is um, and who they bring in. I haven't looked at the betting markets. Maybe that could be in your multi-mic. I don't know. But uh, it'd be interesting to see who they bring in as uh, as the, the, the replacement, long-term replacement. So, boys, that does lead us into... Uh, the upcoming games. I think it's I think it's about time we have a look at those. Start making some predictions about which of those games could be uh, the best in terms of fantasy points. Uh, but also, um, we need to hear from Mix Multi, of course. So let's have a bit of a look now uh, at the upcoming games. I'll pop them up on the screen. Uh, we start off with Crystal Palace versus Brentford, Fulham versus Brighton, Southampton versus Chelsea, Leeds versus Everton in the first uh, sort of games of the midweek. And then we've got Arsenal, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Wolves, Man City, uh, Forest, West Ham, Spurs, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Leicester versus Man United. So, Dave, uh, what sort of stands out for you this coming midweek game week? Straight off the bat, your boys, Palace versus Brentford, both teams playing incredibly well, um, both with a bit of attacking flair and exciting to watch. Yep. And there's quite a few little, you know, it, it obviously makes sense that majority of the fantasy points and the big fantasy assets come from the top four or five teams. But for two mid-table-ish teams, um, yeah, there's quite a few really good fantasy assets in there as well that lots of people have their eye on. Yep, absolutely. Um, two that catch my eye. Number one, Liverpool, Newcastle. Um, Newcastle rose to the occasion for Man City. I'm keen to see if they can rise to the occasion for Liverpool. Liverpool have come off a massive win. You know, can they do it again? Who are they going to play midweek? A few questions there around Liverpool. Um, I'm keen to see if Newcastle can sort of jag something, jag some points there. I think that'll be really interesting to see. Um, the other one, and I mean, it totally makes sense. I'm keen to see Bournemouth Wolves. Can they get the new manager bounce? <laughs> so so early on in the season. I think they need a new manager for that. Yeah, it won't even be uh, a manager. It'll be someone interim caretaker rubbish. Yeah. Well, yeah, they did announce who the caretaker was. Obviously, someone who's already associated with the club. Mick, I don't know if you've had a look at who the uh, favourites heavy, are. Heavy favourite, Sean Dyche, $2.60. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then there's, I think the interim guy is Kjetil Knunsten, some Swedish dude. He's about $6. Um, next, Chris <laughs> Wilder, 11 So it seems so currently the market's pretty heavy in Dyche's favour. There you go. He's just been waiting in the wings. What Bournemouth would have to do to stay up is very much what Sean Dice would be able would be able to give them in terms of the playing style. So, hey, have to wait and see if that's where they go. Um, Big Sam, Mick, boy, 
<laughs> boy, bring boy out of retirement again? Why not? I can't see any of those two. Uh, but Daddy or Ranieri? <laughs> it's been done before. There you go. Very nice. Well, um, Mick, where are you taking us with your multi? Uh, is there a game that sort of jumps out at you before there, you even get there? There's a few games. I, there's a few games I see this week that look like they could be very lopsided. Mm. Um, that's coming off a pretty big game week. So um, you could argue Leicester Man U. Leicester have yeah. been pretty bad. Man U yeah. could do something to them here. Um, Man City Forest, obviously. Arsenal Villa, that's probably the one I'm the most interested in because Arsenal have looked very good. Villa have looked very bad. Um, so that'll be that'll be an interesting one there. Uh, in terms of the multi, I've that's the main game that I've actually stuck with. So I've got as summing it up as simply as possible, because it's never simple, is <laughs> Arsenal to win, Jesus to score any time, or Jesus to score any time and Arsenal to win. By scoring three goals or more to nil. Sorry, you need to say all that again. So Arsenal to win, scoring <laughs> yep. three goals or more and not conceding a goal. So three nil or okay. more. And Jesus to score anytime. Okay. Um, and then I've also got just for that's paying 850 alone. So it's actually not as big a bet as it probably should be. Um, <laughs> and then the other game I've got there is Leeds Everton. So I've got Leeds beating Everton, which is a is a heavy, uh, favorite, not necessarily heavy favorite, but favorite. But yep. I've also got Sinistera to score his first Premier League goal. Okay. Um, I don't know if midweek you saw it, but he scored his first goal for Leeds. Um, I reckon they might give Bamford another couple of days until the weekend. Sinistera might start to get uh, might get his first Premier League start, um, and I reckon he might get his first goal. So, got a dollar on that one, forty six point seven. So yeah. again, when it comes off, it's going to help pay off a couple of the losses from last year. <laughs> Very nice. Well, look. To Everton's credit, defensively they've been a lot better this year. So you know it'll be interesting. That'll be a very interesting game. To be fair, Leeds sort of attacking all out attack will be good to see. So Mick, thank you for that. We'll 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 come back to you next week to see if uh, that's paid out for you. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But uh, boys, as always, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast slash live stream, gentlemen. Have a fantastic mid-week game week and obviously the game week on the weekend as well. Yep. I've got to go and finalize my team before cutoff. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) All right. Catch us later. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Bye.